Hi, and welcome once again to En La Mesa with Café con Leche Nerds. My name is Beatriz Valenzuela, and today I am joined by Lizette Feliciano, who is the founder of Look at the Moon Pictures. Hello, Lizette. Hello, hola, how are you? I am good. Happy holidays. I hope you had I, an awesome Christmas. <laughs> I really did. I hope you had an awesome Christmas too. I heard you were eating tamales. Thank you for having me on, first of all. I'm so excited. This is my first podcast ever, so Yay. I'm really excited. Yay! I'm what an amazing first to podcast to be on too. I'm like so happy that this is the one that I'm going to start on. Oh, well, thank you so much. And for our listeners who may not know, Lizette is the director of the commercial for the Navy Exchange, uh, the one that features the little boy with the Wonder Woman doll who is missing his mom, who is deployed, and who he sees as the actual Wonder Woman. So we were so blessed to have, have the opportunity to make that um, to make that project because it's so few and far between and like very rare to get such an amazing client and such an ama amazing agency to like be behind a story like that. And that concept was honestly, that was all super organically from the Navy Exchange. They wanted to do something for um, service members, families, and for children in particular, especially around the holiday, because some of them don't, you know, their parents are off uh, serving our country. So it's just amazing to me that like a store care so much about their clientele um, to do that, you know, and you're seeing the reaction to it, that it's it's just gone above and beyond, like, organically. I didn't expect it to go that, to go as crazy as it like, has, but right. it's gone, like, very quietly viral. This is, like, the first thing I've ever done that's, like, gone viral, so for me, I'm like, what? That's awesome. And one of the things that helped it go viral was that a very special somebody helped um, kind of push it that way. Um, uh, a very special someone named Beatrice. Uh, your article was actually the reason that uh, Linda saw it. So we ended up finding out. This is I actually finally traced this down. So you wrote that first article, and that is how Linda Carter saw it, and that's how kind of everything started, and how she kind of helped like push that. But it all started from your first article. So thank you so much. Oh, you know what I. I also wasn't exactly sure how it all happened, but you're right. We we started to trace it down, and I realized that Linda Carter had seen it, had seen our article, and posted it onto her Facebook page, and everything just started to blow up after that. Um, but what is it like as somebody like you said? You know, you 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 started your production company fairly recently, and this is you know one of one of your projects that you're working on. But to have somebody like Linda Carter, you know, the Wonder Woman, you know, the the only Wonder Woman for so many people, to recognize it and to essentially say how moved she was by by your work. I mean, that was surreal. I I think I'm indebted to you for the rest of my life at least because. <laughs> Uh, I think when we had spoken before, I wasn't quite sure how she had gotten that information. Then when we were tracking it down, I was like, oh, my God, this is all because of Café con Leche. And thank God that, oh. that you know, your your site and your podcast and all that exists because I don't think other publications are really picking up some of the more quieter uh, work that's, like, doing really good on emotional heartstrings uh, type of stuff like we're doing. So... I mean, so to go from that to like not even thinking that anyone was going to really see it outside of the like the Navy community, which was fine. That's what it was for, um, was insane. And then when I found out that she had not only just like liked it, but reacted to it mm -hmm. quite publicly, that for me, like as a Latina female filmmaker, if there was any type of validation that I ever needed, it was granted at that moment. 
you know it was it was just surreal I like got that thing like my actor actually sent me your article and that's how <laughs> I found out he sent me his article and he's like oh my god Linda Carter and, I, and he, he didn't even write anything cool but he was just like Linda Carter exclamation exclamation <laughs> and I'm like what I was like okay so then I clicked it thinking "Ooh, what happened you know gossip or whatever and then it was like our didn't click it took a while I was like I'm like that when I get good news I'm just like I hold on like really really <laughs> and then it clicked that it was my commercial and I like freaked out so I running around the house because I mean I'll tell you a little bit of my origin story uh, in a minute but like for me, it was just one of those moments, like, how often do you get Wonder Woman to tell you you're doing a good job? As a female filmmaker in this industry, my God, that's like salve. That's a salve to your soul, because a lot of the times you're just sitting here being like, nobody wants me. Nobody likes my stories. I, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am, or maybe these things, I'm not as talented or whatever. And like, those things go through everybody's minds. But it, you know, particularly when you're a female filmmaker, they tend to think it's a little bit more heightened in a certain way, not to take away from anybody else's experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you look up the stats and it's yeah. almost like, why am I even here? And then Linda Carter says she loves something that you made. And you're like, that's why That's I'm why here. you're there. <laughs> <laughs> to make Linda so... Carter smile. <laughs> oh my God, it was so great. But also like even particular for me, like Starting the production company was something that I always said I didn't want to start a production company. There's too many of them in the city. There's just so many. Like, why in God's name is anyone going to go come to me for services when there's like all these amazing other companies that have done so much more work and all this other stuff? So I never, honestly, Beatrice, it was never in my plan to start a production company. I got forced into it. And I'll tell you why, <laughs> which is because I was working at this company as a development assistant mm -hmm. and they did a lot of TV stuff. And the content that this company was making was just like not what I stood for in terms of values or integrity, but I needed the money. I was just out of college. I had a lot of college debt coming out of college. I just moved to LA and I was like, oh, this is going to be just like, I'm from, I'm from California. LA is the same thing as San Francisco. False promises, not true at all. That was not true. After no one would hire me for a while, I landed in this job and it was fine. I, I stayed there for a while for like a year and a half but after a while I got to the point where not even almost two years really um which means a lot because it was a very difficult um environment to be in you know we're pitching all these shows and I think there was a moment where I was sitting in this room where they were pitching these shows and the line that came to my head was and I'll always remember it mm -hmm. was the executive was like how many girls can we fit into that hot tub Ugh. And I was, yeah, and I was like, oh my God, like how far have I fallen? Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of the end for that position. So I wanted to get out of that because I was like, I just don't want, this is, this job is so hard. I don't want to like be the reason that that kind of stuff is out there, you know, and I needed the yeah. money. It's really hard to say no to that job because it was, it was well paid. I was paying my student loans back. And mm -hmm. so then I had a conversation with my partner who thank God was really, really, really supportive. And he said, you know, like, if that's not what you want to be doing, like, we'll figure it out. So I was like, okay, have support, let's do this. And I went out and I trained somebody up and I quit and then I moved on. And I was like, I'm just going to direct and fell flat on my face. But it, it's awesome that you had that support and get what you're saying about not wanting to be a part of something that you feel is putting toxicity out there or that doesn't reflect your own value so good for you that's awesome 
Thank you. Yeah, I was, I mean, now in hindsight, but the time is really scary. So, and, and I know other people have had those moments where you're like, well, what do I do? And maybe they don't have the support in order to jump out, which is why I also personally, like my biggest advice, especially if you're a woman, is make sure you pick a really supportive partner <laughs> as they will <laughs> or break you um, in terms of your career a lot mm-hmm. of times because if you're doing a lot of the emotional labor at home or you're just like, like he, he could have just said, no, we need the money. You have to stay there. And I wouldn't be yeah. here having conversation with you you know it's those little things yeah no totally because even as far as we have come there are still so many divides where I tend to feel that the woman still sort of has to follow the lead in in a way you know you still can't really follow your dreams you still have to bolster up partner's dreams if you're in that kind of a hetero relationship I should say you know where the woman's role is to bolster the man's roles and once he gets situated then you can follow your dreams so it's so awesome when you have two people working together towards a common goal which is happiness for you both yeah absolutely and I've been super blessed in terms of having him as a partner that he's not like you know, very, you know, he's not jealous, he's not Pete with me or anything like that. And to be able to say, especially it wasn't even the moment, because even the moment is kind of exciting to be like, oh, we're going to try something new. But then mm-hmm. like six months in when you, that, those bills are coming in and you can't pay, <laughs> and he's still there, you yeah. know. And so because that's what happened. I literally I left and I was like, well, I, I am a director. I'm just going to direct. And nothing, nobody, nobody would hire me. I couldn't get hired to direct a nail polish commercial. (laughs) A nail polish commercial by my peers, by not even by like random people that I was submitting to, friends that I had gone to college with wouldn't hire me. There's this one story, my friend, he was working and he's seen the error of his ways since then. So like, I'll give it, I'll give him that growth. But (laughs) there was a time where he had started working at this, um, agency this uh this commercial agency and I was mm-hmm. like I will literally direct anything I will direct you know a cup of milk standing there I'll do anything <laughs> and he's like okay well when we find a good fit for you or whatever and I took that I was like okay cool three months passed and I'm like okay all right well six months passed nothing so I didn't want to be too pushy which again is a thing that we I like that word pushy it's not it's persistence right you're not, exactly you're not pushing anybody but like nine months in I was like hey you know, by the way, has nothing come in in the last nine months that like, I know you do a lot of fashion, nothing. And he was like, well, just nothing that you have like the experience for. Mm-hmm. That was key to me, Beatrice, because this is somebody who I went to school with who had similar experience to me. Oh, so I was, so I kind of started feeling the BS meter started coming up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then a year and a half later, I still hadn't had anything. And I was like, hey, getting really desperate, right? This is now two years into having left yeah. my job. And I was like, hey, literally nothing has come in. He's like, no, like there's just, you just don't have the experience. You just don't have the experience. And I hate, like that's, I'll talk about that later. But like when you hear that word, there's, they're really saying something else and you have to figure out when they're actually saying experience and when they're actually saying no, or when it's just an excuse. And it's a little bit of a fine line to figure out. But what, the one, the BS meters completely went off was when I then found out that he had hired a friend of ours that went to college with us same oh, year no. was a male uh, to direct a nail polish commercial. Oh gosh. I was, like, I was like, what are you doing? I called him. I was like, what do you mean? How he's never even worn nail polish. I'm not saying I want to direct a nail polish commercial or whatever. Like I wouldn't say no, but also like he was this whole time right. saying like, I need to find a fit for you. And I was like, but you yeah. don't see. <laughs> I was like, 
I wear nail polish. You know, I, I, I can probably give you insights that this other person can't. And you're saying was, that you guys have similar experience. So, ugh, yeah. I was mm. mind blown. So then what happened was because I was like, wow, this is my peer and mm. this is happening. How the hell am I going to get hired for other stuff? So that's when I was like, all right, I'm just going to go directly to the agencies myself as a production company. That's what happened. Thankfully, you know, I, we and now we focus pretty much on, on quality. We don't take on every agency in the world. We do like agencies that have like minded experiences because I, I don't want to end up in the in the hot tub situation again. So right. like the Navy Exchange working through Zen Media Group. They're amazing. They're all female run. Um, they really care about their clients. They care about the message they're putting out. It's not just about the dollar signs. And then another agency I work with is called Friends at Work. And they're just have been the biggest blessings. We get to do a lot of stuff with nonprofits. We get to do a lot of stuff with the big, big corporations too, but all toward mm -hmm. like a good message. And so thank God for that first job. And thank God for my friend being kind of <laughs> because I got here from that and that's awesome that's so amazing um that sometimes we have to go through some of those kinds of roadblocks and learning experiences in order to a know what to look for but b to realize what you're worth to sit there and say you know what no I, you you messed up I didn't mess yeah. up. This isn't anything about me. This is about you. And now I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to take control. I'm going to move forward and I'm going to show you that I can do this. And you have you just that commercial alone shows what kind of range you have in you. something that is um, and I can't remember exactly how long it is, but it's like it's about a, about a minute long. And to be able to pull that kind of emotions from someone to make that kind of impact on so many people kudos to you that was great thank you and, and kudos to the company too like they they were mm -hmm. really inspirational on that concept and you know they were the ones that made sure that it was wonder woman and and they were the ones that were very supportive of it being a, a diverse family too like it's just a dream come true to work with clients like that and you know i and yeah it's great to be able to say like t almost two years after that horrible situation where you do feel it like the, the hard part about it is like a laugh about it and i'm like yeah what another notch in the story but whatever but mm -hmm. it does really get to you sometimes and you know your your self-worth does kind of collapse a little bit when you know you're not getting that validation sort of around your support system of like you know that friend or or that boss or you do start doubting your own talent, your own worth. So then when someone like Linda Carter comes by and says, I love this. And then you see Warner Brothers reacting to it in a way where they're actually taking action off something that you made. I just found out like maybe four or five days ago that Warner Brothers apparently was so moved by the commercial that they, they had a real life Wonder Woman there taking photos and autographs. And that all came from this one piece that again, Zen and, and Nextcom mm -hmm. and, and, and look at the moon put together. And it's just amazing. It's continued to have an impact on people's lives. I mean, wow. You know, if anything, <laughs> like beyond the validation, like I'm just so happy for those kids, you know, they got to see their parents and see Wonder Woman, like what an amazing <laughs> day. And if I was any small part in making that happen, like I feel really blessed. And it is so great because I bet you that there it's not just for the adults and the people who get the the nostalgia, but, you know, for these young kids who maybe 
um, don't have the words to express how they feel, but to be able to sort of point to this commercial and say, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. You know, I, I do see my mom as as Wonder Woman. She is amazing. You, you know, you and I spoke about this before that to us, even at our age, our moms are Wonder Women. And mm-hmm. we as Latinas sort of have this connection to Wonder Woman. And even more so after we find out that, you know, Linda Carter's mom is Latina. So, you know, she's one yes. of us. We claim her. Yeah. She's ours. We claim her. She's ours. We got her. Thank you. <laughs> but, and then you were you were telling me this like fun little story that when you found out that Linda Carter had seen the commercial, you called your mom and she got excited, correct? Oh my God. So my mom, I love my mom. She has no idea what I do. Or, <laughs> I think we've seen like three movies together in life. I think I've seen Selena, a Spider-Man. Of one course. of the Spider-Mans, I don't remember. Definitely Selena. That one, that one she stayed awake through. It was like 1997, <laughs> whatever the hell. Uh, Spider-Man, I think the Tobey Maguire one, and she fell asleep. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, no. Tobey. She, she was so tired. Um, I was like, I don't know how old I was. I was like, Mom, we're going to go see Spider-Man. And she just like went with me. But this is like, she was working two jobs. So for her to go okay. and spend any time, amount of time, <laughs> she was out. Um, and then we recently saw Mudbound on Netflix. And that was oh. one that she stayed up for the entire time. And that was a very long movie. It's two and a half, whatever, however long. But she was so on the edge of her seat. So me and my mom together, I've seen maybe three movies mm-hmm. in our lifetime. And I, every time I like, I get to work with someone cool. I call her like, mom, I worked with so-and-so. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. Did you call <laughs> Did you call your sister? She had this thing. And it's just like she, over her head. Like she doesn't care. She could yeah. care less. As long that's, as I'm happy, nice, she's fine. Mija. That's nice, my Yeah, like, like, that's nice, Miha. And it's like not little stuff I'm saying. It's like big stuff. I could literally be like, mom, uh, that happened when I was 10. I digress. But when I was 10 years old, I got really, really, I heard this story mm-hmm. about um, just to show you, this is relates to how much my mom does not pay attention when I do stuff. <laughs> um, I was in class. I was like, I think in fifth grade or something like that. And my teacher had talked about this immigrant family, mm-hmm. um, and how they had been separated because of whatever laws. And I think as a 10 year old, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Why would they take away their parents? Like, right. that doesn't make sense. Like that as a 10 year old, you're like mom and dad, you know, mommy and papi are life, you know, right. There's no reason in the world why they should, who, what, because of land, with a line, like, you just don't, as a 10-year-old, it doesn't make sense, right, so right. I remember asking my teacher, uh, her name was Mrs. Kaus, I remember, Mrs. Kaus, well, I don't get this, she goes, well, it's the law, and I was like, well, who do you talk to about that, mm-hmm. and she's like, and she just, like, flippantly, kind of, like, jet- laughingly was, like, the president, <laughs> and I was, like, noted, so I went, and I don't think they were, had internet at the time. I think I was like the encyclopedia or whatever the hell. And I oh. found uh, where the president lived as a 1600 oh, Pennsylvania. Really? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't just tell me where to go. 1600 <laughs> Pennsylvania. And I ripped out pieces out of my notebook and I wrote the president. It was Bush at the time. I wrote the president this very long three-page letter back and front oh. about being like, I heard this was a thing and I don't think that's right. And I really hope that you can help these families get back together because you shouldn't be away from your mom or your dad mm-hmm. when you're that little, you know, like this whole indignant letter. I was just like, my teacher said that you're the one to fix it. And I sent the letter, uh-huh. sent it, found because my mom worked at the post office at the time. So I like had an envelope and I knew how to send letters because my mom worked at the post office in the graveyard shift. And she also worked at the bank in the morning. Oh, but wow. so I, I grabbed her post office and I knew how to, I was a 10 year old and knew how to send a letter. So I sent the letter. You. My kid doesn't know how to do that. He's 18. <laughs> <laughs> not as, 
prevalent now. But what had happened was three months later, my mom gets this manila envelope addressed to Lisette Feliciano, her daughter. Uh-huh. And on the top, it said Office of the President of the United States. And my mom oh, wow. went, Lisette, you know, when your <laughs> mom like full names you. Right. And, and you it's know, like, what you're did like, you do? This is the so she opened it and he had sent me this really nice letter and like I you know had sent me photos and was like I really oh. love young people it was crazy but that was the first time I realized that you can actually take action that will have some type of impact I don't think any of the laws changed but like they went kind of out of their way to send like a really proper letter um yeah but that's impactful for a 10 year old that's impactful for a 40 year old are you <laughs> and so that was I think the last time my mom really paid attention to something, she's like, what did you do? <laughs> I was like, mom, I heard about this thing and my teacher said the president can fix it. So I called him like, that's what you do, you know, like as a little kid, like you're just yeah. like, what? You don't understand. something's wrong, you have to fix it. Exactly. So the reason I bring that story up was because my mom didn't really pay attention to anything. After that, she started paying attention a little bit more. But again, <laughs> in the film <laughs> industry. <laughs> like, I got to keep my eye on this chamaca. <laughs> I know. In the film industry, like, you know, I'd say, oh, I did this, I did this, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then when Linda Carter happened, I was like, this is how I'm going to get her. I was like, mom, the first person I called, I was like, mom, Linda Carter, unless you like my commercial. And she was like, Lisa? Like, again, like, (laughs) (laughs) she knew who Linda was. Like, Linda's really important to her. And, you know, my mom's 66, 67, but for her, like, Linda Carter, that, that Wonder Woman was all she had to represent herself. So to be oh, able to, yeah. to say that, like, hey, your daughter, who literally you raised as Wonder Woman working three jobs, you know, no support, nothing, just, you know, just you, you don't even eat yeah. sometimes, and your daughter, you know, got mm-hmm. that, you're a Wonder Woman, like, she was really excited. That's awesome. Yeah, she, and, and we chatted about this before, but it, it is, it was just such a, a time then um, where we could see somebody, uh, a woman. Um, I saw I saw Wonder Woman in reruns, and my dad loved Wonder Woman, he, uh, uh, the show. Um, my mom didn't pay as much attention to it, but my dad definitely did. So luckily for me, he introduced me to her. But to see a girl, a woman, um, battling the bad guys and having strong position within the government, and then later on finding out that she was a doctor and she did all these other things and she was amazing. It was pretty great. You know, it was unheard of at that time. So it was it was awesome. And even for me as a kid watching it as reruns, it was still amazing to see that because in in the 80s when I grew up, you still didn't have a lot of stuff. It wasn't until a little bit a little bit later that you started to get some of the strong female roles. So you totally get it with you know La Mujer Maravilla right there. Yeah, and even even now, like you talking about the 80s, even now, like fonts to the new Wonder Woman that came out, it was like everyone was so like they was a, had been a, in a drought for the last 40 years, and mm-hmm. I was excited. Just it was like everyone was drinking water and like sustenance. Like yes, oh, gosh, I yeah. that one movie and I was so right Ava DuVernay has this amazing quote she's like now I understand how all the men feel I saw one movie about a female superhero and I'm here to take on the earth this is what they get to feel all the time and I was like you're right absolutely oh my gosh that is so true and you're right I did see that quote and it is so true because the boys see themselves the boys and the men see themselves all the time so probably for them 
it's not that it's not a big deal, but they're accustomed to it. We saw the same thing happen with Black Panther because we did sure. not see any um, black superheroes portrayed in that way. You know, not not being the sidekick, not being the secondary. You know, the, here is this amazing story about this hyper advanced civilization. Um, it, it was just to me uh, up until Spider Verse came out. Black Panther was my favorite Marvel movie. It totally got knocked. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw okay, but it hung in there for a long time oh like, it did like, that thing was well, just like here. I mean thank god for Kugler like that guy just really came out swinging you know and he just continues and then his whole team is you know like a dream and you're just when you're working with good people like you're gonna make good stuff I think there's a the Pixar book Creativity Inc which is literally like read it if you're in any type of artistry at all or you just you just want to learn how to run a business read that book because they talk about like their big question is like what's more important good I- a good idea or good people and it's always a 50 50 split mm-hmm. but their take on it is good people because if you have good people you'll have good ideas and you see that a lot and for and they, for black panther like my god it, just watching that just take off I just felt so represented and it was like, this isn't even, you know, I was like, I've been represented right. in this world. Like, this is crazy. And then Shuri, Shuri, I mean, Black Panther, awesome. Cool. Killmonger, right. you, you know, you got to love yourself some Michael Bay. But, <laughs> uh, but Shuri, my God, this, this awesome, most talented, like scientist, like, and funny. And just, she's so much cooler than her brother. She's just like, she's like chill about everything, but she's over here doing this, the science stuff. And it's like, oh, science yeah. stuff is, that's what I think about science. I don't know anything about it, but <laughs> I'm just so glad that a girl like Shuri exists because now like more girls are going to be in science. So they're going to care more about like technology and stuff like that. Like, thank God. And people don't understand how something like that really does have real world consequences, real world positive consequences. I think that someone might be flippant and say, oh, really? Someone's going to get into sciences because they see Sherry on the screen? Yes. Yes. yes! Absolutely. Yes. I was just reading yes. something a little bit ago that said that after Elvis got the polio vaccine, that the, the number of people who got polio vaccines like skyrocketed. So, yes, something, yes, something that you may think is not a big deal is such a huge deal when you are not you're not seeing yourself on a regular basis. And when you see yourself portrayed in such a positive light, it is, it really is so empowering. It is, it just fills you with so much pride and so much joy. It just really does. (laughs) Yeah. And she's cool on top of that, you know, like she's cool. She's not like, she's not in that like stereotype of like the smarts, whatever, like, you know, not but the nerdy girl get, with glasses trope. Yeah, that's like Big Bang Theory. Like, it drives me bananas. It drives me bananas. So I'm like, why is that the trope? And Shuri's over here. She's gorgeous. She's mm-hmm. so smart. She's funny. She has she's humor. Fashionable. She's fashionable. She's just great. <laughs> and like, everyone talks about Killmonger, and Killmonger's great. I think his story is so, so killer. And obviously, T'Challa's story is amazing. I hope mm-hmm. I said his name right. But yeah. Shuri, I was like, why is no one paying attention to Shuri? She's so damn cool. Well, you'll be happy to know that she has her own comic and it's doing really well. I picked it up. It is so good. And yeah. um, it, it, it is awesome to see that the uh, that Marvel is continuing that. Um, they're not waiting to see, well, you know, can she carry a film? Because that's a big thing. Uh, I know that before Black Panther and before Wonder Woman was made, I know that a lot of people were saying, well, we've tried, you know, female-led movies and and people just won't go see them. Well, 
guys. We're not going to go see a horrible female-led movie, just like no one's going to see a horrible male-led movie. We need a good one. (laughs) You know, so we we got that with Wonder Woman. And I know that um, Black Widow is supposed to be coming out. but uh, And then Captain Marvel, you know. Yes. I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. It's happening. And it's still so infuriating to to still hear, well, we don't know if it's actually going to make money up. Shut up. Yes, it will. Yes, yes, yes. Please go over there with that nonsense. Just walk over there. Right. I or, think you're so right. It's yeah. like, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, then the other thing I was going to say, or the, the misconception that girls don't like superheroes. No, yes, we do. We do like superheroes. <laughs> but we also like to see ourselves represented, you know. So we we like to go see the male superheroes. But when you can show us some of our characters who look like us, who act like us, who understand our struggles, heck yeah, we're going to show up. We're going to show up for them, but you better make it good. Yes, and that's the key point, make it good. I always find it hilarious when people are like, oh, these movies are such outliers. Like, no, they're not. They're not outliers. Every time they come out, they do really well. And then the one or two that don't, they're like, see, these things don't do well. But think of all those superhero movies that are about men that tank and mm-hmm. no one- Men superhero movies don't have don't work. It's like no one says that. They just go on and make the next one. Don't even change the storyline. <laughs> you know? They just they don't right. even change the directors. They just move on to the next one. And I'm like, what are you? What? But then they're like, God forbid, Wonder Woman hadn't been good. It would have been like, see, these yeah. things don't sell. Blah blah blah. And that's just so much pressure. I mean, I mean, we're always gonna rise to it. And but like I've always said, I think one of the privilege, the only privilege that I really really envy off a male is the privilege to fail. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're so right. Because just like you said, when a, a male led superhero movie tanks, it's not like that genre dies with that one movie. No, they keep, they keep making more, but if Wonder Woman would have been awful, I bet you we would not be seeing anyone talking about, oh, well, Shuri should get at least a TV show or, you know, maybe we'll make a movie. We wouldn't be getting Captain Marvel. A lot of things would have been shelved because one female-led movie didn't do well. Yeah, exactly. And But it's also good, too, that, like, they are doing well and that they continue to do well and that they're opening the doors for other creators because I think also another thing that's going to happen and I don't know I don't think it's going to be my generation I think it'll probably be my the generation after the generation after that where this won't even be a problem really anymore hopefully crossing things oh, hope so yeah I've kind of given up on it being my generation I think that my generation is going to be really important in in continuing the push that like Patty mm-hmm. and Ava and everybody else has kind of like opened the door and then we'll continue to will like hold it a little bit more mm-hmm. and then the next generation is going to like flood it. And then the generation after that will probably flood it a little bit more, but um, you know, we'll do our part as much as we can also. But yeah, I mean, those misconceptions of like it being the outlier will mm-hmm. go away. Well, hopefully, I mean, it would seem that hopefully it would go away. The more creators get a voice and behind the scenes to yeah. make those things. Well, at the very least, I think what will definitely happen is you will see a lot less of the roadblock arguments and the gatekeeping being done. Yes. So the typical argument for not going for a female-led movie isn't going to be around because, you know, superhero movies aside, we do have, we are getting more female-led um, action movies. Yes, you know, we are. Um, good or or bad, but we're getting, we're getting more and we're getting amazing ones. So... So that's a positive. Maybe we have to wait a little bit for the superhero genre, but that's all right. We'll we'll get there. (laughs) 
I mean, it's really, it's a really exciting time. And I remember, I think when I was first starting out, it was right before, it was before me too. It was before Time's Up, it was before all of those things. And the statistics are still terrible, but they were like to the point, I think the women of color, Latinas directing was like negative 0.2%. And you're looking at that and you're going, okay, I need to, I need to have a place to live. I need to play, I need to eat. I have to feed Mm -hmm. my dog at least, you know, I would like to have children at some point in life. Uh, Maybe I should do something else, but I'm just so glad that I didn't because even over the last five, six years, I've seen not even just, it's, it's not like the the offers are pouring in still, but at least when I present myself and I say, Hey, I'm a director, I'm not like laughed out of the room. They're like, really? Okay. Let me see your work. Whereas even three years ago, when I'd say I was a director, people would be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. You know, it's just completely different. So I really like, we got to really give that up to all of the the directors and the male directors and them and who have also stood with us and said like hey this is not cool and the yeah, producers no, absolutely absolutely have, yeah I'm excited to meet a lot of these wonderful people who have uh, led the way hopefully in the very near future I would love to direct a superhero movie like I would love to direct Superman that would I used to watch <laughs> Yeah, on the girls not liking Clark Kent was like me and my dad would binge the hell out of that. We would watch that back when you like binging wasn't a thing, but we would watch Clark Kent every night or Lois Clark Lois what is it? Lois and Clark. Lois and Clark. That one. That was the one me and my dad watched. I loved it. I loved Superman. So hopefully, hopefully there's more opportunities. Oh no, absolutely and. I am excited to see what else is on the horizon for you. You know. Is there anything that you could share about some of the projects? You don't have to get into specifics, but, you know, are there some some things that are coming through that you're super excited about and some plans that you may have? I am super excited. This is the year that I am finally going to shoot my first feature film, official first feature film. Oh, that's so Uh, great. Congrats. Thank you. We start shooting in February. Our cast is fantastic. It's a female-led story, female woman, a Latino woman who is a Superman in her own right. It's it's set in the 1970s when right before- oh, Love before, it already. <laughs> yeah, right before feminism was a thing. It was like on the cusp of 1967 to 1972. And I picked that time because that was the turning point really for feminism and for masculinity too, because mm-hmm. I think around that time is when people were starting to realize that Vietnam was just this big yes. fraud. And a lot of men felt like, Mm-hmm. Well, what do mm-hmm. you do? We, you know, they they felt lied to, they felt betrayed, but they also had to hold up the facade. And so I, it was just this really interesting time that I think is very, this is very similar to our time now of, we don't really know where we're going, but we don't think right. we're changing. And it's about this single mom who decides that she's going to be a businesswoman back when women couldn't have credit lines without husbands. They couldn't rent an apartment unless they were married. There was no maternity leave. You got like two weeks vacation. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's based, it's inspired by my mom. I won't say it's based, but it's inspired by my mom's life story and inspired by a lot of women that I've met. And again, on that point of like having creators in behind the room, like that's not a story that would really mm-hmm. get made. I don't think unless there was someone, you know, like me kind of pushing that. And I have an amazing producer who is so, so ready to jump onto that story as well, because she's not seeing it. And she's, you know, she's a Hollywood veteran. So we're excited for that one. That one's going to That come really out. sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like a really great story. Thank you. Thank you. It's been it's been a labor of love. It's come it's come together pretty quickly, but funding is always a very interesting part um, mm-hmm. of the story. 
And I think that's another reason a lot of these stories don't really get a chance to come out is because, you know, the more we can put away those those rumors of like, oh, female-led stories don't mix, maybe some more of the funding. Because even what I'm seeing in the independent mm-hmm. realm is that female filmmakers get between four hundred and five hundred thousand dollars to start their first features, and the guy mm-hmm. same level of experience again, uh, which is none. Uh, <laughs> the, guy, <laughs> the guys get seven hundred to nine hundred. That, no, that's false. I noticed that a lot of the female filmmakers who are making their first films mm-hmm. have made like 10 short films at that point because that's all they can get people to fund. And sure. then a lot of the guys are getting their first features funded with no, like two, or they, they there's not even a short film and they have to tell them to go and make the short film. They get, you yeah. know, and it's just like, that's just a really strange dichotomy that I'm seeing even at the beginning stages of I'm someone's fortunate. career. Yeah. I think that's that's a very unfortunate thing that it doesn't happen just in the film industry. I can speak, you know, just from my extensive work experience, not not just as a journalist, but in my time working since I was 15, I've seen my male counterparts get more weight behind yes. just who they are, you know, just yeah. just for being male, just for being a boy. They seem to carry a lot more weight to themselves um, than than I did, and I, I'm sure that you heard this growing up as well. Is that you know, as a woman, I know my mom told me she said, you know, just be ready because you have to work harder. You have to work harder because you have you have to prove yourself even more than than the boys do. I, I love sports as a kid. I love baseball in particular, but it wasn't enough that I was just as good as my brothers. I had to be better. You know, you couldn't Mm -hmm. just hit the ball. You had to hit the ball farther so that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't laugh at you or that they wouldn't say, oh, girls can't play, you know, uh, you play ball like a girl the whole bit. You had to be extra. And they don't expect it. They don't expect it. It's perceived confidence, right? We lack Mm -hmm. perceived confidence. I've had this conversation with some of my guy friends and immediately it's like, oh, don't be a victim or don't do this. It's like, it's hold on, hold on. No one's being a victim. I'm mm-hmm. still doing the things and still right. doing them well. But you also have to acknowledge the roadblocks so you don't go right into them and bust your head open. You have to, and acknowledging a roadblock mm-hmm. isn't like falling into victimhoodness. That's just a way of like for them to sh- kind of de- devalue and kind of gaslight your experience. And it's like, just because I'm count- calling out that this is the experience doesn't mean you just right. call a spade a spade. Like this, right. the, the sky is blue. Like I'm not making it that way. It's just what it is. If I don't want right. to get sun, I won't go outside. You know, it's just that kind of stuff. But even in that, what I would say is really like if you're out there just trying to get work and it's okay to acknowledge your barrier. And I think the more you acknowledge the barrier, the easier of a time you will have of getting around it. Because the other thing about women is that we're very, very resourceful. We're crafty engineers. (laughs) You know, we find our way. We find a way. But if you don't look at what you're doing, you don't see what's in front of you how can you get around it? Right. Well, see, I think that that just comes from, and I'm going to generalize here. Um, be, I think that a lot of men are taught to see things head on, you know, this is what it is. So this is how you look at it. So you attack it linearly. And I think because we have become accustomed to roadblocks, however big or small, I think that a lot of women are a little bit and not just women, but women and marginalized people just in general have become, yeah, they've become accustomed to, okay, if I do this, I'm probably going to hit this block. So I've got to have a plan B or I have to already have a, a plan in place. So you do, it's like you, you get to be a little bit crafty, not, not, it's not a bad thing. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to learn how to adapt 
we become much more adaptive to what the environment is and we learn to anticipate what could happen. And it's frustrating. Like, I get it. Like, I'm new in this industry and I'm already frustrated, you know, so I can only imagine people who've been there 20, 30 years. But, you know, hopefully the next generation will be a little bit less frustrated and the one after. <laughs> and, and great things have happened, even with that, like, even with where I started to, like, having Linda Carter, like, great things do happen. There's this great book, uh, David and Goliath, uh, by the guy who wrote Outliers, and I'm Malcolm Gladwell, that's his name. And I never <laughs> read that book and was like, his whole thing, the whole thesis of that book is your disadvantages are your biggest advantages because they force you to think differently. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, when I took that on board, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm from a marginalized <laughs> like culture. And <laughs> of course, I'm not going to know this, not the, the regular path isn't going to be my path, but my path's going to be so different. And Linda Carter is going to show up and say hello. Like, <laughs> how great is that? So if you're feeling like you have a lot of disadvantages, just take them on as your super power your disadvantages are your superpower really right that is such a great way to look at it and and it's like you said it's not that we are playing the victims it's that look this is what it is but i am going to use it to my advantage because i can look at things in this in this light in this way i have i have all these other tools at my disposal so that's I love it. I'm I'm gonna read the book now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book. I, just, I mean, he doesn't need any publicity from me, but it's it's one of the. I mean, Outliers is a great book too. But I think, especially for marginalized people, David and Goliath is one that I don't even know if that's what he meant for that audience to really take on. But like, I took mm-hmm. that on hardcore, and I like recommend it to everybody. I mean, it's 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 a lot of pages for one thesis. It like goes. You know, it's a little long for like saying the same thing. Um, <laughs> you know, like you made the point like a chapter three and I'm like a chapter 30. I'm like, okay, I'm done. But it's still a really good book and I would recommend it. Well, I'm probably going to pick it up because that sounds that sounds like something that is right up my alley, honestly. But for sure, I want to thank you for joining us and for talking to us about, you know, your journey, uh, your personal journey and all the amazing things that have happened uh, for you since you have made this commercial and all the all, all the consequences, all the fallout that happened after that, all the all the positivity that happened after that. Just so good. So great. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me and for this being my first podcast. And thank you for really picking this story up and, and running with it because you really helped like push it to a level that I didn't really even expect it to go. So I really, I was so grateful to you guys and I hope to keep making awesome content that represents your audience and your community and our community and to keep showing people that disadvantages are advantages and just to keep going and be persistent. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us for another episode of En La Mesa uh, with Café con Leche Nerds. Hasta luego. Bye. 